on a beautiful Wednesday morning from the studios of Grand Forks Best Source. It's time now for your Berkshire Hathaway bi-weekly podcast. Standing by with realty expert John Brodine, and we're going to talk to John right after this. Life with its many stages. From the my little one has just arrived stage to the I have arrived stage. From the first home you'll ever buy to the one home you'll have forever. No matter where you find yourself in life, your forever agent will be there. Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. For you, for life. All right, and we are back at the studios of Grand Fork's Best Source. It's your Berkshire Hathaway bi-weekly podcast. In the studio with us today, the one, the only, the realty expert, John Brodine. Hey. Got to have that applause, man. Yeah, like How you it. doing? Good, good. How about you? I'm doing fine. Fine. What a beautiful day out there yeah. today, huh? Yeah. Loving this while it lasts, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah, while it lasts, because your life is going to change yeah. uh, tremendously soon. Um, due date is when? Yeah, December 7th. Wow. So. Wow, for exciting, huh? Yeah, yeah. We're really excited. Um, is, is this going to stop you from doing um, your martial arts stuff and things like that and training, or maybe just put a little hitch in the step there for a yeah, while? Yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. I'd love to... I, I train a lot, mm-hmm. as it is right now, like probably nine or ten training sessions a week oh boy Uh, so we'll see if i'm able to keep that up uh probably not but still (laughs) it's a priority for me you know carolyn does her Mm -hmm. thing she does crossfit Mm -hmm. like many times a week so we're both like pretty committed to staying good with that yep um however we have to work it out however john brodine works it out with zero sleep yeah yeah we'll see how that goes i do like my sleep so yeah well we gotta have it especially when you have the lifestyle you do i mean you gotta let the body repair itself and, yeah. and sleep is the best way to do it um we were talking about topics and uh you came up with what to expect in a buyer's market yeah yep so uh we are not in a buyer's market yet okay but, um since since june the market has been moving further in the direction of a buyer's market, Mm -hmm. meaning inventory has been rising and the number of sales has gone down just a little bit. Um, So first off, I'll I'll tell people, like, if you haven't been following the local housing market at all, we've been in a hot seller's market, kind of an extreme seller's market for the past two years. Mm -hmm. Um, what, What you're seeing in an extreme seller's market is there's not enough listings on the market for the number of buyers who want to buy homes. So you're seeing a lot of, uh, a lot of bidding wars, uh-huh. um, even on homes that maybe wouldn't get a bidding war when it's a more balanced market. Sure. They're still getting bidding wars. The really attractive, move-and-ready, uh, well-priced listings are, are selling far beyond asking price. Um, the original list-to-sale price ratio is an important statistic. That basically covers how uh, what percentage of the original full listing price that the seller eventually closes for. Um, if that makes sense. Yep. So if you've got a hundred thousand dollar listing and it sells for ninety five thousand, your original list to sale price ratio is ninety five percent. We actually saw that percentage go up over a hundred um, for the first time since I've been keeping track. Um, and I think that was during June. But keep in mind those are homes that accepted offers. You know, during uh, probably April. Okay. Um, when the interest rates were still quite a bit lower then. Um, interest rates were still pretty high. The biggest okay. difference was there was fewer listings on the market oh, sure. in the spring okay. months. Yeah. Interest rates have been, interest rates actually dropped off a little bit recently. They oh, dropped, I didn't know that. Yeah. On, um, 
last Monday, they dropped to, um, I think, 4.75 or 4.875. They jumped back up to like 4.99. Then they dropped back down today, actually, um, to 4.875. So they had gotten as high as 6. So they do fluctuate, like weekly, Mm -hmm. even every day. Mm -hmm. There's fluctuations. Um, But so a hot seller's market is characterized by a lot of uh, competition amongst buyers. Very few listings for sale, a lot of buyers in the market, bidding wars, home selling over asking price, buyers uh, foregoing contingencies that they would usually have in place, like home inspection contingencies. They're uh, making concessions on appraisal contingencies, agreeing up front to pay over appraised value if the appraisal comes in low. Um, so these are some of the things that characterize the hot seller's market. What should you expect in a buyer's market? Well, uh, the more we move in the direction of a buyer's market, the more you're going to see that average. So in a hot seller's market, average days on market is very low. Like we saw average days on market some months in like the 70 some days. Um, We're going to see average days on market being longer because the homes aren't selling quite Mm -hmm. as fast. Mm -hmm. And that, that number of days is from listing until closing, not from listing until they accept an offer. Sure. That's important to clarify. So out of those 70 days, 45 days is uh, contract to close. Mm -hmm. Um, so you're going to see the average days on market going up. You're going to see the uh, original list to sale price ratio going down. So um, the average property is negotiating down a little bit from where they listed at, um, more so than during a hot seller's market. The more exaggerated, if we got into a buyer's market where we had a ton of inventory and very few buyers, you'd see that keep getting lower and lower, and you keep seeing the days on market getting higher and higher. Right, right. Um, it has to be pretty extreme for prices to drop, just like it has to be a pretty extreme seller's market for prices to rise fast. Um, I, I'd be surprised if we saw prices dropping, but as we move more into a more balanced market and then maybe even a buyer's market, unknown if that's actually going to happen or not. I don't, I'd be surprised if it, um, if it turned into a dramatic buyer's market. Um, but you will see the rapid price growth kind of stop and prices will probably stay where they're at for a little while, like a more reasonable mm-hmm. level of growth rather than rather than home prices going up by six or seven percent per year. A more normal number is, you know, two to three percent right. per year or even okay. less if it if it is uh, a more stagnant market. Now, I would imagine uh, being a realty expert now when it comes to the times where there are bidding wars, like you mentioned, um, is that kind of like a, a like the perfect scenario? For you, when when you've got a house listed and all of a sudden there's a bidding war for it? Yep. When I represent a seller, yes, 100%. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you're representing buyers, you know, in a more balanced market or a buyer's market, you're trying to get the best deal possible. Um, in a really hot seller's market with extremely low inventory, uh, a win is just being able to get a house that you want. Right, you know? right. Um, buyers, uh, a lot of buyers end up losing out on a few houses that they wanted mm-hmm. during uh, in, through bidding wars um, during a hot seller's market. So um, things will change a little bit. The other thing that you'll notice is sellers will be more willing to uh, agree to buyer's contingencies, like home inspection contingencies, mm-hmm. appraisal contingencies, um, even home sale contingencies. Even on a buyer's market, a home sale contingency is always going to get beaten by an offer without a home sale contingency. But when when listings have fewer buyers to pick from or fewer offers to pick from, you're going to see those contingencies being accepted more often. Uh, okay, so now say you're representing a buyer and they get into a bidding war. Yep. Do, do they 
confide in you? Do you recommend, you know, hey, it's up to you, or do you say, nah, I draw the line? Or how is that? I mean, because I know you work so closely with the people you you are representing, but um, how does that work for a buyer? Yeah, so when when I'm representing a buyer, it's rarely on one of my own listings. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's something that doesn't happen too often in real estate. I would say one out of every 10 deals I do, I represent both sides of it. So mm-hmm. if I'm just representing the buyer and I don't represent the seller, um, they definitely will tell me. And even if I am representing the seller, they will tell me what maybe their max amount is that they're willing okay. to do. And I can kind of counsel them. We're going to look at a few factors like what are the comps? What have the comps sold at? Um, we're going to look at various terms that we can offer in addition to just a good price that'll make our offer more attractive. So in a hot seller's market bidding war, that could be uh, foregoing home inspection, that could be offering appraisal gap mm-hmm. coverage, could be uh, writing in an escalation clause. But you also need to come in with a strong offering price. And with my experience seeing a lot of bidding wars, based on the number of offers, I can kind of I can give you an idea of how high I think it's going to go. Um, you're going to come in with a little different strategy if you're up against one other offer versus if you're up against six other offers. Okay, say you got five people bidding on a house. You got a bidding war going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, how big of increments do they go? I mean, they don't just go, okay, throw in another 50 bucks or okay, throw in another $100. That how big are these, are these jumps usually in a, in a bidding war? Um, so usually the way a bidding war works is you don't know what the other offers are. Oh, okay. Uh, that's usually kept confidential mm-hmm. uh, by the listing agent because that avoids any sort of favoritism or sure. un- unfair treatment of one of the agents, basically. Right. Um, so in a bidding war where there's, like you said, a lot of other offers, let's say there's six other offers, it's pretty normal for something, you know, I've, I've had a few where they've gone 15000 20000 mm-hmm. over asking price, and then the winning offer, in addition to having a really attractive purchase price, also has really attractive terms like appraisal gap coverage, um, no inspection maybe, um, maybe it's cash. Don't, you don't see that quite as often, but a cash offer, there's just so many fewer things that can go wrong because oh, yeah. there's no underwriting mortgage mm-hmm. process, nothing, um, no appraisal required by the bank. So, now, in the last couple of years, um, have you seen more cash offers? Uh, because it seems like I hear more and more about it. Yeah, I think there kind of has been more cash offers in the past couple of years than what we've been used to, but it's still a small percentage of the total mm-hmm. number of sales. But the cash offers, you know, if the cash offer is up against five financed offers, you know, the cash offer, even if they're like $1,000 lower or $2,000 lower or $3,000 lower, most sellers will still take the cash offer because sure. there's so many, so, so much less that can go wrong. Right, um, right. Even if, in a, even if you've got, the two best offers, one of them is two seventy, um, and that's the financed offer, and they're offering a ten thousand dollar appraisal gap coverage. So basically, you're going to get your full asking price if it appraises at two sixty or more. Um, but then you've got a cash offer that's two sixty five. Um, if if the appra- it basically it's worth it for the seller if you think the appraisal is going to come in, um, you know, anything less than two fifty five, that cash buyer you're getting your money regardless. Mm-hmm. With the finance buyer, the only way you're actually taking less, the, the way you're taking less is if that uh, if that appraisal comes back below 255, then the cash offer was actually higher, even though their offering prices, you know, the cash offer was lower and the finance offer was higher. So appraisals make a big difference. I know that I'm probably not explaining that. Very well, well. You, you're making my head spin here, John, because yeah. um, I learned so much from you guys on these Berkshire Hathaway podcasts, and and I, I think I'm starting to get it. But um, 
And again, this is one of the reasons why, uh, whether it's a, a buyer's market or a seller's market or whatever, um, all of these things that you're talking about are all of the things that you guys take care of. Yep, yep. And we see them on a daily basis. So we're just, we're really in in tune with the pulse of the market. And you know, we notice it right away if things start to change. One thing I especially put a lot of effort into is staying on top of the statistics because if you just kind of go on your own anecdotal experience, mm-hmm. I could think the market's slow just because I'm slow and the numbers could stay out, say otherwise. And I'm just in a slow period for some reason. So it's really important to monitor the whole market. And I love doing that through statistics. I'm kind of a nerd when it comes you, to You're the, like a numbers guy, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, I am. I, I haven't always been this way, but it makes everything <laughs> make sense. You know, uh, I'm amazed you don't have a bunch of notes with you. Yeah. Uh, you're usually so well prepped uh, when you come in here because, um, well, like you said, you really get into doing all this research and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I've been trying. I don't like to just read off of some notes no. that I've got. So I've been trying to get away from that a little bit. Um, and half the stuff I remember anyway because I'm going sure, you're doing it all the time when I'm writing down the notes. So yeah, okay, it's all uh, upstairs. Here. Um, did you <laughs> did you get to golf the tournament? Uh, the Spicer one? Yeah. No, I didn't. So oh, that's okay. My wife's birthday was the next day, so we had to leave for the cities um, on Thursday. Mm-hmm. We left Thursday morning. Well, she have a good birthday? Yeah, it was amazing. We good. got into the cities on Thursday, stayed at a nice hotel downtown, um, got massages in the morning, Ooh. got a nice breakfast, walked around downtown, went and had dinner. Her parents were swinging through the cities, so we went and had dinner with them. Then we uh, on Saturday, we went to a family reunion for her side of the family. So, oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. And then, uh, of course, you had all the congratulations, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'll be shaking hands a lot. Yeah, yep. If somebody wants to get a hold of realty expert John Brodeen, how do they do that, John? So my cell number, if they want to become a client of mine, is 701-213-5428. Um, and if you want to learn more about me and learn more about the Grand Forks housing situation, Follow me on Instagram, subscribe to me on YouTube, John Brody and Realtor. You'll be able to find me. I post content daily on all those platforms. So, All right. And we will see you back here again uh, bright and early Friday morning. Yes. Yep. All right. Until then, have yourself a great day, yeah, my man. You too, John. All right. There you go. Your Berkshire Hathaway bi-weekly podcast with realty expert John Brodine. Watch the show again. If you've got any questions, you know how to get a hold of them. And we'll be back with them again on Friday.